Blog Talk Radio. here at Energy Awareness Radio and the founder and CEO of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. 
I'm also a board-certified integrated holistic health energy and sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 425,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest is number one selling author Mark S. Lewis. Mark has a very diverse background. He earned his BS degree in finance from Boston College and an MBA in marketing from Tulane University. He worked for IBM for 13 years before forming a New Orleans-based internet service provider. A true entrepreneur, he has started, supported, and sold several successful business ventures and is the current owner of Communique LLC, a business coaching and consulting firm based in New Orleans. During his 10-year tenure as president of the Louisiana Technology Council, Mark assisted with the technology development of Louisiana. And in November of 2005, he was selected by the governor's office as technology leader of the year for the state of Louisiana. Through his leadership, Louisiana became one of the top three states in the country in technology, job, and wage growth. And in July of 2019, EO of Louisiana presented Mark with its Marshall Klein Entrepreneur of the Year Award for his work in helping EO of Louisiana become the fastest growing entrepreneurial chapter in the world. An aspiring business mentor, coach, and consultant, Mark has facilitated and moderated CEO roundtables across Louisiana and helped hundreds of CEOs and individuals accelerate their growth both personally and professionally. He helps executives and entrepreneurs develop business and human development strategies for growth and prosperity. His winning philosophy is based on creating business strategies that engages a positive cultural environment across all functional operations so that everyone will want to join in. And it all begins with a give a damn attitude. And today, we are most fortunate as Mark is here to discuss his book, Give a Damn, The Ticket to Cultural Change. So welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? I am absolutely terrific. You know, I hate introductions, but, you know, you never want to listen. <laughs> I never like listening to myself, <laughs> listening to what I've accomplished, because that doesn't really mean anything. What really means is what I can do to help other people. So, you know, I wanted to tell you that opening song of Thank You was such an amazing song because it just reminded me of what I have in my book, Give a Damn, and what's so important is what I call the attitude of gratitude. We just have simply gotten away. When I heard that song, thank you, and heard it over like a hundred times, it really hit home <laughs> for me. So I appreciate you playing that song. It was wonderful. I've played it since day one, so for the past 13 years. And the song that guests listen to prior to us going on air when I'm talking to you in the green room is um, called Grateful. And so one follows the other. And I, I wanted to get to this later in the show and talk about it because I am an avid attitude of gratitude person and have been keeping a gratitude yep. journal for well over 25 years now. But we can get to that in a moment. I love okay. your book. And the reason I love your book is because everything you wrote in it 
is how I think and speak pretty much on a daily basis. So I don't know, you know, if that's good or what, but it's it just great. struck me. Yeah, it is great. great. I thought so too. <laughs> well, you, know, you know, it's not it's, just... It's not just our country, but the world that's taken a fast track to self-centered, self-absorbed, the world revolves around me, selfish, ego-driven behaviors, and it's not serving anybody well at all. (laughs) So having read a lot of self-help books over the years, because I read a book a week for the show, many are written by psychologists and psychiatrists about human behavior and, and how to make changes to live a better life. But I have to say, this is the best one I've ever read, and you... This is so surprising to me. As a businessman, are not someone anyone would typically classify as a trained expert in the field of human behavior, but you really nailed it. I mean, you really did. I thoroughly enjoyed it so much. So I was commenting all the way through the book and thinking of stories I could come up to relate to different things. I had to ask, have to ask you, what was it that drove you to write this extremely motivating truthful, just put it out there in plain language, kick us in the butt to create a better world book. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny you ask that question because if you told me 10 years ago I was going to write a book, I would have said, you're absolutely crazy. I'm not a writer. I don't know how to, I don't like, I never liked English when I was in school. What motivated me was what I saw in the business community, well, more so what I saw when I was driving down the road and watching people and what they were doing. And I'm going, are you serious? And not becoming aware (laughs) of what their own actions were on having uh, those actions had on other people. And so I got so flustered with it. I started recording this on a tape recorder. And I dictated when the idea came. Sometimes I got up in the middle of the night and dictated because a thought came to my mind. And I jotted all this information down. Next thing I know, I had 60 pages of typewritten single-spaced text. And I go, well, what am I going to do with this? I said, well, I've got a lot of ideas. i got to organize it. I organized it and put together a book. And I just wanted to feel that maybe I could make a difference in this world because what I write in the book is a great way for people to become happier and to live longer. And that's what really kind of motivated. Everybody wants to be happier and everybody wants to live longer. And what, what you do in, in, if you form this give-a-damn attitude, that's what actually happens. And I have all the data and stats to prove it. Yeah. And what's funny is people just want a pill or something, a magic pill. And I'm thinking as I'm reading the book, this is the magic pill. Take the I don't give a damn to I give a damn and all it is is a, sh- a shift in perspective, and you've got it. You've got it right there. And that's what drove it home to me. It's like this is all just about a different perspective, you know, switching things around. What I found interesting is that your book came out at a time when it was much needed, most certainly. However, then COVID hit. And I, perhaps in, in my own warped way, truly hoped, wished, and believed that COVID would teach us so much about patience and compassion and understanding and kindness and being there for others. But sad to say, I'm finding it did not do that, did no such thing. So while I thought your book was a necessity prior to COVID, I truly believe it's even more of a necessity now. Do you feel that there's an increase in self-centered, egotistical, all-about-me behavior and attitudes that that has increased during COVID? (laughs) <laughs> that um, was fast. You know, I think yeah, yes and no. I think – look, here's my point. 
anything major that happens to us, whether it's a hurricane we go through or a tornado or a weather event or COVID-19, when we go through these events, people have a certain compassion for other people. But then all of a sudden it goes away. When you get through this event, Mm -hmm. it goes away. We've got to go back to what we were before. Everybody wants to help people who have been decimated in some way. They have this sense of feeling, and they want to help in, in a lot of different ways. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that are happening in today's environment that are causing us to become even more self-centered. So the COVID-19 is a perfect example of some things that people did that were so self-centered, they're so internally driven that they don't think about what their actions have on other people. And at the same time, if they can get away from that internal drive of self-centeredness, they can become happier. And there's just so many factors that are contributing to it. And I, I, you know, I list about nine of these factors in the book that have contributed to people becoming more self-centered. Yeah, and I, I mean, I see it even now, even with everything that's out there and our ability to get through this more quickly. And I can't help but look at Australia. And I look at Australia and I think they shut down completely for two months. They've got so many things in place right now. They have no issues. Before Christmas last year, they were walking around malls without masks. They were eating in food courts. Everything was fine. And right now, if you're a, an Australian citizen and you're going to fly into Australia from India and you've been in India 14 days prior to your landing, they are going to fine you, as a citizen, $66,000 and up to five years in prison. And I'm like, why can't we do that? Why do we always think we have to invent the wheel? Somebody else is doing it. They don't have these issues over there. We still, our numbers are still rising. People are not getting vaccinated, and we're opening up like crazy right now. I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm thinking people just want their freedom. A woman said this to me the other day. She said, I just want my freedom. And I said, yeah, I do too, but I want it on this side of the grass for a while. You know, it makes a difference. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you're absolutely right. And the thing about that is, you know, you made a really great point of perspective thinking. We don't ever think about our actions and what they have on other people. Like, for instance, wearing a mask. It's not about so uh-huh. much about protecting yourself, but it's also protecting other people. And people say, well, I'm not going to wear a mask. It's, you know, I, don't, uh, I have the right not to wear a mask. Well, that's the self-centeredness. You wear a mask because, A, it protects you, but it also protects somebody else. So, for instance, if you flip the switch and someone was not wearing a mask and they came up to you or somebody you loved, uh, it could have been your spouse or your grandfather, whatever, and that person had COVID-19, they weren't wearing a mask, and your grandfather got COVID-19, how would you feel? See, they don't mm. think that way. People think it's it meet internally driven. I do it because, it's the, first of all, it's the right thing to do. You're protecting right. yourself, but you're protecting other people. People say, well, I, you know, they get this um, um, freedom thinking, but it's not that. It's just thinking about other people and preventing something that, be, that has become catastrophic. They just don't think that way. Yeah. You can't tell me what to do. I'm a free person. That's that's such bad thinking. It truly is. Yeah, it's very selfish and self-centered. And and I have to tell you, there are some people I know who have gone out when they knew they had COVID. They didn't only test positive, but they had symptoms and they went out. And I've lost so much respect for those people. And now they're just not in my sphere. 
I just don't, I really, I'm like, you know what, they're, they're just not kindred spirits anymore. I need to just cut them loose and, and move on to other people, like-minded people that will come in. That's how it's going to work for me. So, you know, but yeah. I really thought your book, I was like, this needs to be out there to everybody to read. because, And it's not a long book. It's only 159 pages long. So it's a quick read. And I have to say, it's also entertaining. I mean, I was smiling, nodding, shaking my head, laughing. I, you know, I just, I found it entertaining. I, you, you just didn't want to put the book down. So kudos to you for, you know, for making such well, a loud statement that. in such a great, easy way. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I, you know, it certainly has some help. You know, I wrote the first book when I thought I knew what I was doing, but then I got a journalist and an editor to, to kind of refine it. Um, I have a lot of stories. I added a lot more stories, a lot of stories that affected me. Um, but at the end of the day, if people would just understand and do the right thing, no matter the consequences, if you do the right thing, at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're helping mankind. But, you know, when you leave this world, you know, I ask this question in the book, and you know what the question is, why are you on this, why are you on this world? Why did yep. God put you on this earth? And people don't get it. Uh, I think, and my no. answer, and 99 out of 100 people can't answer that question. My answer to that question was God put me on this earth to serve other people. And by serving other people, I serve myself. But people get it in reverse. And that's the yes. problem. Yeah, they think if they're serving someone else, they're losing something instead of it, it, the gratification and, and the fulfillment that you get for doing something purposeful. And knowing that you're here to make this a better place for the next person, not a worse place, but a better place, right. and to try to do the right thing. And it's our own personal, our souls, I believe in souls, so to me it's part of my soul's growth to be here and serve right. others, be in service in whatever way. That doesn't mean you're in service and you're constantly volunteering. You can have a job, but you know, sure. and you're going to make money to support your family, but if you're not loving your job, you know, then it's really work. But if you love what you do, it's really not work, and you're really more in service and in alignment. What your soul is here to, to, to grow and to, to learn. And right. yeah, people do have it backwards. It's really, um, it's really a shame. And you did state in your book that there are three reasons people don't actively give a damn. They really just don't care. That's the first reason. They don't know right. how self-serving their actions are. And then more importantly, they know they have a problem, but don't know how to change or fix it. So, you know, that's a big undertaking. How, how do you go about educating people in each group to care? Wow, that is a really great question. Let me go back <laughs> to one statement that I wanted to make. is The fallacy is when you do something for other people, there shouldn't be an expectation in return. It's going to come back right. to you, but the fallacy is if you do it with the expectation of coming something coming back to you, that's a self-centeredness that, that I wanted. I wanted to, that's an important point to make. All right, so how do you get people to care? Um, and how do you get people to give a damn? Those people who probably say, yeah, this book was great, but they don't know how to change. Well, first – what I would recommend, you know, I'd love to have people read the book, but understand and be aware of everything you say and do and what effect it might have on other people. And sometimes write it down. 
I actually wear, and I'm not perfect at this. I actually have what I call give a damn wristbands. I think I sent you one. You should have gotten one with the book. And I, I did. Wear Thank that you. Give a yes. damn. Yeah, I, I, I gave that. I wear that give a damn bracelet only because sometimes I forget, but I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. And I, you know, it, it's just a question of over time, understanding an awareness of what you do and how you do it and understanding that awareness and say, you know, that wasn't a give a damn moment. This is a, I should have done this and actually start writing that down. So once a day you could write down, uh, this is what I did to give a damn today and do that for a week and then do two give a damn things for the next week and then write down three give a damn things that you do and then it'll slowly create that awareness over time and it will make a difference. It's hard. Now, you know, it's interesting. It is hard and yet it's easy. So you provide yeah. a list of things we can do to show you give a damn it's in the very end of your book. They don't take time, and they can be incorporated into your day quite easily. And these items that you listed speak to another part of your book that we just spoke to a little while ago where you speak about an attitude of gratitude, which I said before is very near and dear to my heart. I believe gratitude is actually the secret to life because I believe when we are grateful, when we show gratitude to others, our work, and ourselves, we're truly coming from our hearts, and that is when we are living our purpose because we're serving others from that space of love and compassion. So as I read the list, I was all smiles because I, I've kept a gratitude journal, as I said, for over 25 years. And, and I write five things I'm grateful for at the end of each day, and it brings peace to my heart. But knowing I do that each night reminds me to be mindful and aware of my actions throughout the day. And I write my journal a bit differently than some. I started my first year writing what I was grateful for, but as the year progressed, I realized I was writing gratitudes that were gifted to me, and that really didn't resonate well with me. I didn't feel right. So when I started the second journal, year two, I changed it to the things I was grateful I could do for others, and that made much more sense to me, continues to this day, and that is what you're saying. So if, if you're more mindful of what you're doing. You have more things to be grateful for at the end of the day, and then you will do more. It's almost like a game. It's kind of fun to do. So there you go. You got another, another give a damn tool. <laughs> yeah. So let me, let me expand on that a little bit because you're talking about how you feel and the gratitude you get by doing that for other people. My, yep. my, my um, follow on to that is, is a simple word of saying thank you for something that someone did to you, did for you, or whatever it may be. So when I say thank you so much, or I send an email, hey, that was a really um, nice thing you did, I really appreciate it, that form of gratitude to others and sim saying a, simply, uh, a simple thank you actually goes a long way because everybody in this world wants to feel loved and appreciated. So when you show appreciation and love to people, it makes them feel good. And when you make somebody feel good, what happens? Your stress level kind of goes down for just a split second. So the more you can appreciate things that are done for you and say to that other person, hey, thanks, it doesn't matter what it is. And it should be something special, whether you send a personal thank you note, which is rare these days, or send an email or just off the cuff and say, hey, um, 
you know, the other day we, we went out for a walk. What we talked about really made a difference in my life. I want to thank you for that. Or something very simple like that. Showing that appreciation is another form of gratitude that lifts yes. other people up. Yes, and that's how I did the first year, and I was like, I always do this. This is too easy, I, and I do write handwritten notes, yeah. so I'm a little old school when it yeah. comes to stuff like that. But I wanted, to, I wanted to be aware of what I was doing for others. Am I just taking or am I also giving? And I wanted it to be like a, a reciprocal thing, not necessarily with, with the person, but to have that, that know, to notice what I was doing, putting out there, that it was good. And when we – you know, you're in line at Walmart or wherever you are, and you can tell the cashier is not having a good moment, and you actually look at them and say, thank you, have a nice day. You can tell that they appreciate that, and you've moved them. And that ripple effect will go very far because they will then maybe say things to other people that are also nice. It might right. lift their spirits just enough to have a better day. So I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and it is important to do, to do both, I think. Um, just to make yeah. sure that we're keep being mindful of what we do and what we receive. Yeah. Totally agree with you. And, and the other thing I would recommend is all those cashiers usually have a name tag. You should say yes. thank yes. you, Tom, or thank yep. you, Sally. When you use their name, they, they're, not, they're not aware of that. And or if you're at the, the checkout counter and, and you go, how you doing, Sally? And they look at you like, whoa, whoa. So here's something that's really kind of interesting. When to anybody at, and you 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 have this word used a lot too because I appreciate the word. Anytime anybody asks me how I'm doing, you know what I say? I go terrific, <laughs> just like that. So when I'm at the cashier's counter and they ask, them, "How you doing today?" I go terrific. They look at me like, "Oh, shocked." But you know what they have? <laughs> a big smile on their face. And you know what? Yeah. That means you bet that when someone smiles, it makes them feel good. So you're portraying your positive energy to them. They get a smile, and it's it's just one little thing that makes somebody feel good. And they, and you know they're going to pass it on because they'll think about it and smile about it again. And when you know, I know when I'm writing a, a thank you note, I'm feeling good writing it. I know when they get it, they're going to feel good. And 99 times out of 100, they let me know they got their note, which made them feel good telling me that, and made me feel good again. And you know, it, it's just. It's just going back and forth, and it's all good. And people think, oh, this is so Pollyanna. It's like it's not Pollyanna. This is how energy works. This is, this is what we need to do exactly. is to build each other up. That's what we're here for. We're not here to take each other yeah. down and rip each other apart, you know. But people are so caught up in their own personal agenda, you know, they bully others, and, and they even become violent. And we see this daily. We see this daily on TV. It's getting worse and worse and worse, and yep. it's destroying our society and you speak to that in the book as well about how, you know, yeah, you take that one. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we are becoming more violent society and it's because we become more egocentric and there's a lot that's driving that. Um, technology is driving it. Uh, these video games that, that uh, people play, you got to win um, at all costs. It's not that we can, you know, you can win, but you've got to win at all costs. And you're seeing more of that in the, in the violence in today's society. I think government sometimes breeds uh, violence. Um, what we see on TV that we never saw, you know, 15, 20 years ago, we're seeing things 
and shows like Survivor, whereas we used to watch shows like Captain Kangaroo or Andy Griffith's show, other shows sometimes, many times, taught a moral lesson like the Brady Bunch. But what moral lesson shows can you think of today that, that, we, that we can pinpoint? Uh, and it's very difficult to find those things. So we become so ingrained in what's being taught to us on TV and video games and in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the marketplace and the fact that all oh, this is instantaneous news, people get it right away, is a feeding mechanism for ego-centered people. And it also is very it, – it creates a tremendous amount of anxiety because it's the same stories over and over and over again. And, you know, if you watch the news for one half hour in the morning and you see how many commercials are in it, you're getting about, I don't know, 17 minutes of news maybe – that same news, they could just run it the next half hour and the next half hour and the next half hour. They, they say they're on for two hours. It's the exact same stuff. If you hear it over and over and over again, it will create great depression and anxiety in people. This is, this is the way of the world right now. People listen to it constantly. And I think that one of the biggest problems is social media. That's, I think that's the worst thing that's come down the pike in a very long time because well, well, here's, here's, it plays – Yeah, you're right. You, you're right. Social media is – there's two things that happen with social media. One, the positive is now we can communicate more uh, instantaneously. The problem with that is the lack of communication where we go for, face-to-face, and, and so right. we don't have that face-to-face interaction like, like we used to have. So we get data a lot quicker, but the quality of that data is so much worse than it was 20 years ago. So there's more communication, yeah. but the interaction between people have become a lot less, and therefore it's more subject to interpretation than it was when we met face-to-face. So we're getting more information, but it's bad information. Well, and that's true on the, the what do they call it, virtual reality TV shows or reality TV shows. These are not real. These women who are out there, you know, husband bashing and airing their dirty laundry and fighting and having all, you know, and then they're in the news because they didn't pay their taxes and stuff. I mean, this is not real. And people think it's real. People think when I tell people I'm from Massachusetts, but I live in New Jersey, I refuse to say I'm from New Jersey because I'm not, I'm from Massachusetts and I live in New Jersey now. (laughs) Yeah. You went to Boston college. So, you know, yeah, I could tell the accent. It's not a Jersey girl cool. accent, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> but people will say, oh, are you from Bergen County? Do you know the housewives? And I'm like, no, I don't know the housewives, and I don't want to. That's not real. They are not living a real life. Who does what they do? It's crazy, and yet little kids are watching this, and they're believing that this is the life they should have. And then they go to social media, and they're on what I call fake book. It's not Facebook. It's a fake yeah. book. Everything yeah. on it is fake. People are making their lives like they're the most wonderful things in the world, and they're not. And it's a screen, you know, all of these different – I know these words, but I don't, I don't do any social media. So I know Instagram, LinkedIn, Indeed, um, Twitter, and, and Facebook, okay, which I call Facebook. Okay. Right. So I know the names of them. Right. I don't know what they all do. But it's a screen that allows people to bully and shame others without being seen. So it's very easy for them to do that, and it's extremely toxic to children and adults. And unfortunately – it's probably not going anywhere. So the problem it creates will continue to perpetuate. And 
you know, I just don't understand why when we see horrible things being put on there and, and people say we shouldn't, you know, we have free speech, we shouldn't be censoring. There are certain things that need to be censored. I mean, we do it on TV. Why can't we do it with social media? I agree with you. And the problem with these kind of actions it, and, and what's led to it is it's supposed to be cool. It's sensationalism. Um, and that type of uh, what I call the wow factor leads to better ratings, leads to interaction. And that's where media comes into play because they're, they're feeding on people's emotions and they're feeding on their emotions to get ratings. And ratings is what drives revenue and advertisement because more people are going to watch that. That's a problem. It's sensational, cool stuff. It's supposed to be funny, and it's not. You see all these shows, like, I don't know if you ever remember the show. I watched a show. It's called uh, Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. I don't know if you ever watched that show. It was oh, I've heard of it. I never watched it, though. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I watched it is I couldn't believe what was going on. And I'm going, these people actually do this? This isn't right. This isn't real. It, it showed the bad part of people's uh, society in a negative light. Yeah. And it's supposed to be funny and cool, and that's what people want to hear, funny, cool, sensationalism stuff. It feeds. The media feeds it. But it's not doing anything good for our brains. You know, I mean, no. I, I, will watch, I will watch the Housewives of New Jersey because I'm always in shock. I look at it and I think, how can they do this? I'm just, I'm just in awe of how brazen they right. are. And I think it's, it all comes down to money. It's all money. How much money can I make doing an episode? It's always follow the money. No matter what it is, you follow the money, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, I, I, no doubt. I you think, follow the money. Yeah. And, it, and it's a negative uh, feed no. to today's society, which leads to self-centeredness and selfishness. Um, and it breeds. The kids getting taught this when we were growing up. Uh, we, we had mom at home. Generally, we learned things. We, we sat at a dinner table, had a conversation. You know, that's lacking these days because everybody wants to go and go to social media. Everybody wants to get on the Internet. So it, it's, human interaction is a lot less than it ever was. And I think, you know, I've said this before on the show, and people say, well, why don't you do the research, T? And I'm like, I don't have time. But I really think that I think it was in the 1970s that the stores all decided it's okay to open on Sunday. And I think that was the start of a lot of the downfall because there was no required rest day. And when I was a kid, the, the pharmacy was, oh, you went to church on Sunday. The pharmacy was only open yeah. till noon. If you got sick afternoon, you had to wait till Monday. There was nothing open. Right. So you were required to be at home and, and do things. And now even schools, there's soccer practice and, and football and baseball, well, not during COVID, but you know what I mean. It's, and people sure. are driving their kids around, you know, till all, I'm behind school buses sometimes at eight o'clock at night thinking, why, are they, why am I behind a school bus full of children? Why, why is this happening? It's eight o'clock at night. And it's because the kids have so many, they're overtaxed with what they need to do. And I really think that over the past 30 to 40 years, so that would be 80 to present, parents just aren't teaching their children common courtesy or respect or responsibility. And you, you know, you, you can forget about etiquette. That's been long gone for a long time. And that's a shame. Oh, I know. But yep. yeah, it's just, I think it's due to making money and just not providing for family. It's about materialism and wanting more. When I lived in Massachusetts, I was a realtor. And I owned a few offices, and I would walk into houses, these great big McMansions, and they drove a BMW and a Mercedes, but there was no furniture in the house, and the kids slept on futons. 
And I thought, why are these people here? They, cannot, they clearly cannot afford this house. They, they, are, they are overreaching here to, to make sure. a show of it. And that was sad. That was really, really sad. And, and it's come down to, I mean, I see, you know, the things where every single kid gets an MVP award. Well, there's, there's really only one MVP. Everybody shouldn't get the award. You go to a birthday party and you don't get a favor. You get a present, too. It's not your birthday. I don't understand it. Right. I don't understand. I just don't, you know. Um, and the biggest problem is that now these 20 and 30-year-olds go to work and people don't like them. That's sad because the parents wanted to raise friends. They're not your friends. They're your children. They'll be your friends later, but you have to be the disciplinarian now. That has to be part of this whole problem, don't you think? Oh, I agree. And, and uh, the way the kids are being raised today, there's no such thing as tough love um, where you, and the, you hit the nail on the head. What we're doing today is taking care of any consequence and saying it's okay. People can't suffer consequences. If you lose, oh, we're going to make you an MVP so you don't hurt, we don't hurt your feelings. That's not the way it is. There are going to be winners and there are going to be losers. That's the way life's all about. But we seem to, as a society, want to take care of people and not make them feel bad because they didn't get – uh, they get to win. Uh, they weren't in first place. They weren't in third place. So, oh, I won't give them something just so they don't feel so bad. That's the consequences. If you don't win, then the consequences, you don't get anything. And people don't understand that. We do not, as a society, um, absorb the consequences for something that is that we do, even though it maybe wasn't done on purpose, we're not responsible for the consequences of anything that we do um, or don't do. And that's, that's a huge problem. Yeah. That even comes down to when I see these commercials on TV for you have credit card debt, we'll fix you right up. And they're doing this forgiveness. Now, I've always paid my credit card. Nobody gave me forgiveness, sure. you know, for, for having too much on the credit card or whatever. You paid it off. You learned and you paid it off. That's what you did. And that drives me crazy that now they're going to take this person's view of $25,000 in debt. We guarantee we'll get you down to $7,000. Okay, who's picking up the rest of that $25,000? Somehow I know it's coming down to the consumer. Somehow I know that it's going to right. come out of my pocket well, somewhere, and it ticks me off. <laughs> I agree with you. And, and, you know, part of what's happening is government is breeding entitlement. You know, they're bailing people out. I, I know when Hurricane yep. – uh, Katrina hit, which I was here, um, the government actually bailed out and gave uh, people who lost their homes a grant of $150,000. Like, well, if they didn't, and that's if they didn't have insurance. So the people who had insurance couldn't get that. But if you didn't, then the government was going to help you out and give you some money so you could get back on your feet. Well, the consequence is you get insurance to cover your house in the event that something. Maybe they couldn't afford that, but you, if you're going to take that risk, then you should suffer the consequences of taking a risk and making that decision. That has kind of gone by the wayside in today's uh, world, and I think government has yeah. a lot to do with it because we bail people out all the time. Yeah, and the banks do too because you're supposed to have insurance. Yeah. 
when you buy a house. And it's really up to them to check and make sure, are you still insured? And if they're not doing it, it's really on them too. I mean, there are people who are going to default. Well, now you have to do something about it, but there are no consequences. You're absolutely right. But I also think it's in the way that it's presented to people, you know, like the losers. And I don't mean to say the losers, but the people who don't win the game. When you have children, you present it to them in a different way. Okay, well, try harder next time. It's all right. You did a good job. Now, next time we make it better. And and I've told this before a number of times. There was a little boy in a classroom, and he came up to me, and he said, Mrs. Love, Mrs. Love, I did it wrong. Now, I don't know what this kid was doing. I had no idea what he was working on. And the teacher's standing right next to me, and I said to him, no, you didn't do it wrong. And she looked at me, and I thought, uh-oh, I think I'm in trouble, but I don't care. And I said, I know you didn't do it wrong. He said, I didn't. And I said, no, you just found a way that didn't work. Now go back and find a way that does. And he goes, oh, and his eyes got really big. So he leaves and goes back and sits down. Fifteen minutes later, all the girls were around his table because he was just so cute. And one little girl goes, oh, no, I did it wrong. He says, no, you didn't. You just found a way that didn't work. Now find a way that does. And I looked at the teacher and I said, if I die in this moment, I have done my work here. I I know that. And she said, I didn't know why you were telling him he didn't do something wrong. She said, I wanted to see what it was. And I said, but it wasn't wrong. And she said, well, I guess I learned something today too. And that made me feel so good. Cause I was like, okay, I taught two people, you know, my work is done. <laughs> yep. Yep. But it's well, how you, you know, present it. We, exactly. And how you communicate and how you present it can make a difference. And, and it can always be, you can always do something that might be negative and you can always put a, a positive spin on it. And that's what you did um, with, uh, with that little boy. And I, I can tell you a situation when I was coaching, I coached 13 and, and uh, 13 year olds. We're in the beginning, uh, the end of the game. The bases were loaded. We were up by a run. This guy hits a ground ball to the shortstop. All he had to do is pick it up and throw it to the second base. Well, he boots it. It goes through his leg. They score two runs and we lose the game. So they call, come mm-hmm. in, and everybody's all dejected. And uh, someone says, God, I can't believe you do that. You lost the game. And I said, no, he didn't. This is a learning moment where we play together as a team. Whatever happens, what we do as a team, this is a learning moment. We're going to have a lot of learning moments. We're all going to make mistakes. And we lost the game, yes, but that's not what's important. What's important is that we stick together as a team. He learned, we all learned from this moment, and that'll make us better when this situation happens again. And everybody is like, you know, some coaches will say, I can't believe you did that. We lost the game. For people to do that was like, I, I, you, you, you can make an impression on somebody in a positive way when yep. it's a negative situation and that's you know you did talk about uh teamwork as well in your book and you know in this world we all of us are really a team and every time i hear another news story about racism on tv i cringe while while i know there are multiple races on our planet there's really only one race that matters and the only one is the human race and that's a race we all belong to regardless of ethnicity or color so that's what we have in common. But, but I have to say, until we have an alien invasion with UFOs all over the skies, I don't know that the world will ever <laughs> unite as one. I really don't. That's the only time we'd come together and say we have to fight as one. But nobody's seeing us as one. And, and it's, I hear about well, racism with this and racism with that. And I'm like, it's one race, people. It's a human race. One. It's just one. So what, we're, what the problem is is that people focus so much on the past. Those things have happened. There's nothing we can do to change them. What we need to do is what can we do as a race going forward, knowing it's not going to be perfect. 
We have to quit harboring on the past, taking all these monuments down because of what happened 30 or 100 years ago. What can we do to go forward so we can all be a human race and not divided? And therefore, if you look at it that way, effective that people say, okay, I, I can't change the past. You've got to continue to think that. I can't change the past. What can I do to make a difference in the future? And that's what give a damn's all about. You can't change your, what you've done in the past, but you can change your attitude. You can do the right thing. You can take responsibility. You can be accountable for whatever you do. You can show attitudes of gratitude. You can say please. You can say thank you. You can say excuse me. You can lift people up by a certain smile. All these things can make a difference in people's lives. If people would take that attitude and forget the past as if it never existed and go forward, we'd be in such a better society. Yeah, because you're right. We can't change the past. If you can't change the past, what are we worried about? Just get over it and move on. Everybody you know? harps <laughs> on it. They harp on yeah. it all the time. And I can stop, stop. Because, you know, you got to Because they like playing the role of victim. Forward. Yeah. Exactly. And like then, you victim. know what? Yeah. They want to be a victim and they want to be entitled for what happened in the past. I, we can't look at it that way. They want, oh, well, this happened no. to me, so I should be compensated for it. It's like, not the way it works. Why? Were you but, there? You know, people. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, um, I get really you pumped have up about to, this sometimes. So. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, but I get passionate, too. I knew this was going to be a good show. <laughs> you actually yep. have two pledges. You have the Global Citizen Accountability Pledge and the Congressional Accountability Pledge. So let's start with the Global Citizen Pledge. Do you know to date about how many people you have who have taken it? Yeah, I've got about 500 people that have taken the uh, Global Accountability Pledge. Nobody's, took, okay. nobody's taken the Congressional Accountability Pledge. I said, okay. funny, I sent that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, you know where I'm going with this one. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I sent an email to all the 525 people in Congress. And uh, sent them. I was going to go up there and, and give a book to every one of them, but uh, that became a nightmare. I couldn't do it. But I sent them this global, this uh, congressional accountability pledge, which basically says in Congress that I pledge to do all the right things. I pledge to do this. Uh, I'm trying to find the exact words. I can't find it right off the top of my head. But it was for Congress to do the right thing and and to make sure that whatever they do is in the best interest of of of, of people. Uh, in society and not to do it based on how many votes I might get or how much money I might get in the next election. Yeah, I have to say when I read it, because I read it on your website, I thought, now that's not where my mind goes when I think about probably the least ego and money-driven professionals. I don't believe I'm alone in thinking that. How many politicians took it? What's in the percentage? And I'm like, I don't think, I don't think anybody would do this because I've never heard a politician say they've taken a pledge like this. And I would think they'd be trying to sell it to us to show they've gone so far that they not only took an oath of office, but they also signed a pledge to make a difference. So, you know, to me, whenever we sign a document, it seems to make it much more serious so it bears a greater commitment, right. but I'm not so sure that that's true for all politicians. <laughs> I, was, I was really curious well, to know how many politicians actually signed it. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, I know you know the answer to this. 
<laughs> zero. Is zero. Yeah. And, and, zero. and, you know, and it doesn't surprise me. And it's sad. It's really sad, you know, because yeah. if I think if I brought it up to some of the congressmen and, and senators that I know in my area, they'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, it probably never made it past somebody's desk. And that's a that's a shame. Correct. You know, yep. Yep. I mean, it, it's very simple. You know, be accountable to the American people or decommit and put in the needs of others first. Uh, strong awareness, thoughts and behaviors that can be viewed as a selfish, similar to the give a damn attitude. Uh, and they'll foster prosperity, acts of kindness, take a lead implementing everything, you know, everything that's, that I say in the, in the book. So, but they don't do it. Nobody got that. No. You know what they did do, though? They added me to their um, mailing list. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, lucky you. We're all on that. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, you're probably getting two of everything now <laughs> from all parties. Yeah, but I did. Regardless I of whether you're right. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, the pledge is, is about us each individually, and I like the pledge, and I like being held accountable to my own awareness. So, for me, this is another tool to, you know, to keep that going, yep. and, and that's why I signed the pledge. And, and I also know that we can't change others. However, what I have learned is that others will change when we change. And that happens in two ways. So others will either follow your lead because they've seen how you've changed and they like it and, and they decide they want to emulate that themselves. Or new people will come into your life who are like-minded and those who were once but are no longer like-minded will leave. So in either case, others do change. But you didn't change them. It was their decision to be a part or to go. So I believe this is a real ripple effect, and, and we can change the world one person at a time because from my perspective, you know, good always wins over bad, light always shines and drowns out darkness, and, and your pledge is a great yep. way to start to make changes within to make the world a better place. So I really, you know, your motto, individually you make a difference, collectively we change the world. It's just getting it out there so that people will do this. We'll read this. It's one of the right. best self-help books. It's probably not meant to be a self-help book at all, but it is one of the best self-help books I've ever read because it, you automatically are going to change if you do this. It really is. It really is. I'm not I kidding. I appreciate no that. You're, <laughs> you're very sweet about that. And, and um, you know, let me tell you why this is important, not so much because you need to do it. What's important in this, and I've got statistics to show it, is that when, you know, the greatest disease that people have on their body is what? Is stress. So how yep. can I reduce my stress? So if I can reduce my stress, it's proven with studies that, for instance, if you go out and volunteer, let's say 100 hours a month, um, you have a, you're feeling good about what you're doing for helping people. And guess what? There are statistics that show that it causes less stress, there's less stress on the human body. You know, if you're religious, you know, I'm religious. So uh, there was a study by Ohio State University that said people who are more religious actually live four years longer than people who are not religious. And I thought that was like, why is that? I'm trying to think. So I know the reason why that is because now I have a God that I can relate to that is supportive of me, and I have someone that's got my back. You know, if it's not God, it's a mentor or something else, someone that has your back that's going to be there to support you reduces your stress. It's people who are right. single don't live as long as married people because 
Now they have somebody around they can relate to. It reduces stress. It reduces disease. Who doesn't want that? Everybody right. should want it. And that's the perfect reason to why people should give a damn, because you're going to live longer. You're going to reduce stress. And guess what? That leads to more happiness, too, overall. So it's a compound thing. and You can't lose, is what I say. And you, Yeah, and you're going to live longer but healthier because – you're less stressed because everything, they say 85% of diseases are from stress. And I'm like, no, it's 100%. Forget the 85%. It's absolutely 100% diseases are from stress because somehow your body is stressed. It doesn't mean it has to be emotional, mental stress. It can be physical stress. Somehow your body is stressed and you're going to get diseases. Yep. But, yeah, I think that that's, that is definitely uh, one reason why. The other reason why I think this book needs to really like be read by everybody is because Studies have shown that we are not a warlike species. Human beings are not violent by nature. Of course, if you listen to what the media reports, you would never believe that. But these studies have shown that humans will become violent, humans will become warlike, and humans will betray their truest nature when one or perhaps a combination of three conditions exists. When we feel personally threatened, when we feel our family is threatened or when we feel our way of life is threatened. And that's, that's clear. And, and, ever, and, and ever since I learned that, I've, when I watch the stuff on TV that I see every once in a while, I'm like, okay, no, they were threatened because. And I figure it out, and it's always true. It's one of those three things. You feel your way of life yep. or your family or yourself is threatened. And therefore – if we're not a warlike species and if we're not violent by nature, we can go back. But we all have to do it, but we're going to have to do it one at a time. And, and I think your book is the, the way to do it. And I'm not being nice. I, I, I read all these books. I'm a holistic health practitioner. I'm a therapist. So I know, you know, I know what I'm talking about. I read a lot of different things. And I'm like, this is really a great book. It does an awful lot. You know, it does an awful lot for people. So, you know, everybody go out well, there and get the book. That. It's called Give a Damn by Mark S. Lewis. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's not just a ticket to cultural change. It's a ticket to changing yourself. And those around you will change because of it one way or the other. They either go or they actually make the changes. In either case, it's good because you're better off. So, you know, what is, it, what is the next step for you in order to get this out there, to really get people to, to read this well, and to, you, you know. You know I, I've been working, at, and this is one little step, and I thank you for having me on your show to get to the next level. Um, I'm working hard to uh, get this into mainstream society. Uh, I think, um, you know, what I think, and you make a point on this, it's really common sense, um, a common sense approach to living a happier, healthier, stressful, stress, stressless life, uh, a better life. Um, somehow I've got to get a significant um a celebrity or somehow get on a, uh, a a major TV network that says this is the uh -huh. way we should um, this is the way we should go about and create this movement and if I can get a million people that all work together and join the accountability pledge um, you know we can make a difference in grassroots I, I wanted to get in front of Congress and say hey guys you, you guys need to come together um, you guys fight all the time it's me versus you Nobody ever wins. There's no compromise. You can't work together. It's who's going to be better, who can control whom, and that's just the wrong way. I mean, you're sending a bad message to the American people about that. It's 
you know, I, I do a lot of speeches on this book too. So, you know, in the middle of the speech, I go, okay, I want, I'm going to ask a question. And I go to front of, are you Democrat or Republican? Ooh, they look at me like, I'm not answering that question. And I, 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 what are yeah. you? And they, nobody will answer. You know why? Because as soon as you say Democrat or Republican, uh, you get put in a box. You can't think yep. outside that box. And if you do, you get ostracized really bad. I can't believe you're a Democrat. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you're a Republican. Okay? That's not the way it should work. You should work together. <laughs> you know, if you're independent, that's a little less than being a Democrat or Republican. But why can't we be one government that works for the common good of everybody and not have these parties? Why can't we work together? You know, my, I tell my wife, I say, you know, God, I wish I could go to Congress and just not be this and not be that. And she and I said, look, I'm not going to go, go, go to Congress. First of all, I'd probably get crucified. And second of all, mm. uh, it'd be too stressful for me because I wouldn't be able to do what I want to do because everybody would come down hard on me. So if I was a Republican or Democrat and I didn't, repo, uh, I didn't vote Democrat or Republican, you know, I'm neither. I don't declare myself anything. I'm just a person that wants to do things right. So um, then, you know, it's just, I just couldn't get there. And, and of course, um, my wife said, look, if you ever go into politics, I'm going to divorce you. <laughs> I said, well, I'm never going into politics. I love you too much to be able to do that. <laughs> you wouldn't want to. That would be stressful in and of itself. Oh, my goodness. No, I know. Have you thought about well, – you know what? Have you thought about sin- – What? Go ahead. Have you thought about sending the book no, to Oprah? But, uh, you know, I tried to reach out to Oprah and uh, early on, but I couldn't get anybody to to, to get back with me in her um, – in her sphere. So I did originally, but that was about two years ago. I kept hitting it hard, hitting it hard, but I, I couldn't get her to, 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 to look at the book. I couldn't get through. Hmm. Okay. I don't know how to, how I could get through. I guess I could try again. Yeah. But I mean, because so she's a screener that. Probably, but you know, I mean, I see other people get through with books and things. And, and I think, Okay, we've heard this before. This I've never heard before. I would think she'd be really interested. I, I, I really would. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know, but um, I'm gonna send it to Megan. Send it to Megan Markle. <laughs> send it to Megan Markle. She yeah. was interviewed by Oprah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We are yeah, almost at the top of the hour mark. <laughs> I can't believe this hour went by so fast. We're almost at the top of the hour, but I really would like you to tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and your work and where they can purchase your book, Give a Damn, The Ticket to Cultural Change. Well, you've been awful terrific. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very passionate about this book. I want to make a difference. Uh, They can go uh, get the book. Uh, They can certainly buy a copy on Amazon.com. I actually did an audible version of my book also, so they can go to audible.com and it's it's, you know, Mark Lewis, the Give a Damn, the Ticket to Cultural Change. They also can go to giveadamnbook.com, and, and they can take the uh, the Global Accountability Pledge. Join the movement. There's the link to that. Um, if they want multiple copies, uh, I'm certainly glad to, um, if they send me an email at mlewis, M-L-E-W-I-S, at giveadamnbook.com, uh, I will send them copies, uh, sign copies for them. Um, one thing I do want to let you know, T, is that 20% of all I do for the book goes to the Team Gleason Foundation to help fight uh, a, to help find a cure for ALS, but also to help 
ALS people live a more quality life through the technology that Steve Gleason has done to help people. That's the best way to do it. Which is which is fabulous. So, yeah, do that. Go to the site and get it from him signed. And thank you for signing my book. Whenever an author sends me a book themselves and sign it, it's a keeper. I don't let anybody take it. I tell them, you can't even borrow it to look at it. You have to go buy it. <laughs> it's mine. So I appreciate that. Thank you. No, I'm glad you okay, listeners. I'm very happy. Oh, I was thrilled. So, you know, I saw it and I was like, oh, look, you signed it. I'm so glad. <laughs> and dated, too. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a most challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So please share the knowledge, joy, and love by spending the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me and my work or to schedule a remote energy therapy session of your choice, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. Please also check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need 100%. We're run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, stipends, or compensation of any kind to anyone. Every penny goes towards meals, coats, health care, whatever is needed, so all children have a chance for a good life. At Soji Huggles, we are investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. So thank you for taking time to visit our website, SojiHuggles.org. And... If you would, please follow us on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. While you're in your social media accounts, please be sure to like us on Facebook, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most enjoyable week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. <laughs>